in health, we're going to do uh, two hours, so there should be plenty of time to get in with questions today. I'll, I've got a ton of little things I want to cover, but I'll try to get to as many questions as we can. So jump in right now. Your chances will be much better. In fact, if you press one on your phone right now, I guarantee we'll get to you. Uh, usually by the end of the show, the questions start piling up. So jump in early. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is with me. And we're going to take your calls and answer your questions about everything health, fitness, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, drugs, disease, you name it, we'll cover it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls and questions in just a while. Uh, Kim, welcome back. Hi, happy Wednesday, Kevin. Yeah, great day. I uh, I don't have any overall theme today. I've got a bunch of little stuff. I'll try to tie it all together. Um, it, one of the things I've been looking at, and I, I've talked about this a couple times, is you know being on the business and money side of things as long as I have been. There's this thought, and and we saw it in the country over the last uh, decade get worse and worse that. You know, there's some giant conspiracies happening somewhere. The rich people keep getting richer and the poor people keep getting poorer. And it has to be a conspiracy. And it, it really is nothing more than people who have figured out how to be rich, wealthy. Uh, we're just talking about money right now. Certainly isn't everything, but we talk about it a lot. That once you know how to do those things, it's not magic, it's not voodoo, it's not luck, it's not winning the lottery. It's just doing things every day, creating habits and doing things every day that help you accumulate wealth. That That's really all it is. There's nothing more than that. And on the other end of the spectrum, people who have created habits and lifestyles that made them poor, well, why would we think that would change overnight somehow? It can, but the odds are that it's not going to. Um, you know, one of Dr. Phil's lines that I love is the, the best predictor of future performance is relevant past performance. Things don't change unless we really intervene to change them. So there's no conspiracy. People who know how to accumulate wealth aren't going to forget how overnight, so they're going to continue to accumulate wealth. People who have habits that keep them unwealthy will probably continue those habits. No big conspiracy. Now, there are some extremes. We could talk about, you know, crony capitalism and how the government works and, you know, big corporations and, and very old wealthy families. Yeah, that, that's such a small percentage, it's not even worth talking about. But we have tens of thousands of stories of people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and, you know, all the 
dot-com companies that came out of nowhere. And, and those people didn't come from wealthy families. They, they learned how to do those things. And, and even without going to that extreme, the number of average people who have just created a, a lifestyle where they do have more money, they live a better life. So I see the same thing happening in health right now. And I think we're going to see this for a very, very long time. We look at all of the health statistics that are going on, and the, they are worse than what we think. It, no matter how many numbers I look at that shock me, the reality is it's worse than that. Not better, it's worse. And I don't see it changing anytime soon because none of the conventional medical advice seems to be changing. I'm going to talk about some specifics. On the other hand, we now have a group of people, I don't know a percentage or you know how much it's going to grow, that are starting to really get it. And you've got people from average, everyday people who have just done enough research that they figured this out all the way up through doctors who you know, decided that they didn't learn what they should have learned in medical school. They've gone out and done their own research. And I just think we're going to see this split in health the same way we've seen it in wealth, that we are moving to the extremes. We're going to have a group of extremely healthy people, but it's going to be small, just like the group of extremely wealthy people, or just wealthy even, is small. It's not the big numbers. The big numbers struggle with money most of their life. Um, all the statistics show that. I, the same thing's going to happen in health. I don't see any major turnaround in our health as a country or certainly not around the world. The world health is going to continue to get really bad for a long time. Uh, but I don't see the U.S. changing much either. But the good news is... All the information is there. If you take responsibility as an individual, it's all available, just like it has been with money. I mean, there's no lack of information. There may be a lack of formal education. We're never going to be taught these things in school. Just like after all these decades, we are still taught nothing about money in school, even though money is an important part of life. Health is certainly an important part of life. We're not going to get any education in our um, government indoctrination centers. Those would be public schools. So that's kind of uh, my theme today, and I'll give you a minute here to jump in. And uh, I, I want to go through a bunch of little stuff that kind of wraps around that. So what do you think? I think it sounds great, and it's fascinating. I love um when, when we come onto the show each day, you bring something to the table that's just so relevant to, to what's going on out there. That, you know, one of the things that kind of prompted me to do this, um, I'm sure you've seen it. Anybody mm -hmm. who, you know, is on Facebook and has anything to do with health has seen it. And it was in USA Today. And, you know, honestly, USA Today for health things is probably one of the better sources. They've certainly had their share of bad articles, but not nearly as much as some other big papers. So I wish, I guess I, I'm not shocked, but I didn't expect it from them. Uh, the American Heart Association came out and just blasted coconut oil. 
said it's not healthy, it's never been healthy. And this is so incredible for them to do this in the face of all of the new evidence and old evidence. We don't even have to just look at new. We've known this forever. There are some indigenous societies around the world that consume over half of their daily calories in coconut products. You know, it, they they do it better than we do. They eat the whole coconut. They eat coconut meat, um, coconut butter, coconut oil, but half of their calories, and they have virtually no heart disease. Uh, even situation, even all of that fat in the presence of a high carbohydrate diet. There's one particular tribe, and I'm sure genetics play a role in it and all kinds of other things, but they eat a natural high carbohydrate diet. It's fairly low in sugar and fructose, very high in carbohydrates, and lots and lots of coconut oil, no heart disease. And you can say all you want, well, they're different. They're human. We're not that different. Genetics play a little role, uh, but we're just not that different. And so you have all of that evidence. The studies that the AHA used for this, they used four studies from the 1960s to, to come to their conclusion. If you go back and actually read the studies, even those studies don't support what they're trying to say. It's just incredible until you find out that the guy at the AHA, the executive who is leading this whole charge against coconut oil, he used to run marketing for Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's the guy in the AHA. No surprise. Yeah. Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, oh, there's another thing. Um, The Soybean Oil Association just donated a half a million dollars to the American Heart Association. I'm sure that has nothing to do with it, though. Right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so, like, they put that stuff out there, and it's, why is it easier for some to latch on to it? Like, oh, I knew that. I knew that would happen. Does that go back to the low-fat phase, too, where we're still kind of afraid of good fat? We are clearly afraid of low fat or of good fats or fats of any kind, certainly saturated mm-hmm. fats. Um, we're still afraid of cholesterol. And mm-hmm. even the government finally got on board with that years ago saying, you know, we screwed up. We told you to limit cholesterol. And then they went from a crazy low number, 300 milligrams a day, which is like an egg and a half. They went from that to saying, Hey, you know what? Cholesterol doesn't even matter in your diet. We don't even have a number anymore. There's no number now, no recommendation on how much cholesterol you should eat or not eat. How how could they make that about face complete 180 degree turn and yet nobody talks about it? I shouldn't say nobody, but you're never going to see commercials telling you that. So we're uh, we're going to get to a break. I have some more stuff. Then we're going to get to your calls and questions. Stick around, Kevin Rothenberg.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're we're talking about um, how things are are becoming so split in the health world of continuing. The, the majority of recommendations, the majority of people, the majority of the medical community continuing down the path of what has never worked, what continues to get worse, and they seem to think that more of what won't work will somehow work. I, I just don't understand the logic. Um, along those same lines, Kim, and this comes from the Mayo Clinic. This research that I'm about to give comes from the Mayo Clinic. So we're talking about a mainstream highly respected um, medical organization, they are saying that 40%, 40% of current medical practices completely wrong and should be discarded. They should be stopped immediately. What are they talking about? Like what? Anything, anything from, uh, you know, it could be a vaccination, it could be a surgery, it could be a, you know, piece of advice about nutrition, it could be a drug, any medical practice that's common. And we're not talking about weird stuff. We're talking about, you know, things like you go to the doctor, you complain of, uh, you know, cold or flu-like symptoms and without any testing, you get an antibiotic. That practice needs to stop. Mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. horrible. It always has been. So we are talking about the most common of things that are happen, happening. And 40% of them, the Mayo Clinic says we should stop immediately. Are they offering like the next step with that? Do they have like recommendations, specific ones that no. we stop? No. Oh, so they're just throwing out that blanket no. statement. Okay. Yeah, just saying yeah. what we're doing doesn't work and how many right. examples of that have there been? And finally, when it's proven and everybody turns around, it takes 10 years before that becomes common. Um, mm -hmm. they, they looked at 2,500 medical treatments. So these were specific treatments. You know, you have this symptom, we're going to do this. They looked at 2,500 different symptoms and found that only 36% of those were likely to be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Wow. And we just yeah, we keep doing it. And yeah. You know, and yet when I post, uh, you know, recommending a book undoctored by a doctor, very highly credentialed doctor saying, do everything you can to stay away from the medical community. I get attacked as being a kook and a nut and, you know, I'm going to kill people. Um, it's just incredible. But, you know, big pharmaceutical and big food and big agriculture spend billions of dollars on advertising. And their message is everywhere. And the people who are saying the opposite have virtually no budgets. They have a blog and a podcast. I, you know, maybe they write a book and, and they can get the book out. But we know how few adult Americans actually read books. So even if you have a bestseller, you're still only reaching a very, very tiny percentage of the population. And it's the same people every time because it's the people who read. 
Yeah, and it's educating ourselves to, you know, like each of us take ownership because now we know. I remember when, um, especially when my kids were little, ear infections was one thing I think of where I just wanted an antibiotic. I mean, that's what we used to get, you know. And I remember when my doctor's office switched where they just, it was an awesome family practice, husband, wife, where they stopped doing that. And I was yeah. almost like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and so, right. yeah, because you just want that. So I think all of us have to, you know, like if you hear somebody and you're feeling like, you know, sick, I'm going to go to the doctor, ask them why. Like, what, what are you looking yeah. to get? What do you, you know, to, to ask more questions because that is so true. But most, a lot of us that, and a lot of people we know, that's what they're looking for to go, go in there and, uh, and now give me the prescription. So. We have to spread that word as well to question, question, question. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I look at all of the evidence, sometimes it's so easy when you are immersed in all the good new stuff we're learning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. so exciting to see that we can absolutely reverse these conditions and and you and I are immersed in this every day, not just in our reading and our research and doing the show. Um, we are getting busier and busier with our mentoring. So we have more and more people that you and I are working with directly and we see these results. So it's so easy to get like almost overly optimistic that the whole country's turning around. Things are getting better. It's not going to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a really positive person. I am an optimist to the end, but I also have to look at reality and say, yeah, this really is exciting. It's amazing to see what our body can do and how much we're learning about it and how much things are getting better. But the reality is all you have to do is look around at at the direction we're still heading as a country, and this is going to get a lot worse before it ever gets better. And you you brought up a really good point too. And I was just thinking about this morning because I had um, found a new website, you know, that has just, and I'll have to look up the, the name of it. The guy's on Facebook. And Michael probably knows him because I saw he was on that Facebook page too. Michael Mertz or something like that. And he has um, video interviews is his thing that he had out there. And I, and it's cool because they show the the screen of the video, you know, like, uh, you know, graphic and it has what it is. And you're scrolling through and you think, man, this is a lot of awesome information that if we hadn't been on this path and, and you know, diving into health more, I might not have taken the time to do it. And and now I think you hit it right on the nose because we're kind of immersed in it. We're seeing all the good stuff, but what percentage of people are really reading and learning, learning that? Tiny, 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 tiny. You know, we think of, when we think of names like Dave Asprey and Mark Sisson and, um, you know, Andreas Anfelt and, and yeah, these people, Tim Noakes, yeah. people that we all the time, Dr. Mercola, we're reading their books. Um, we think they've become like celebrities almost, you know, mm-hmm. well, everybody mm-hmm. knows who Dave Asprey is. Yeah. Try it one time at a party. Ask somebody who Dave Asprey is. I, nobody knows him. You know, he's really big in this tiny little community that, that we're talking about with all this new health stuff. Get outside that small percentage of people and nobody knows these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so exciting when I found uh, Jim. It's just a small little, you know, that does the hit workout and that. And he does the bulletproof. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> somebody's speaking our language. 
and uh, yeah. in heaven. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's part of what leads us to think that this is like growing, you know, because mm -hmm. we'll come across somebody new that maybe we haven't. I just did this the other day. I found a guy who used to be a stand-up comic. Now he does radio shows about health, and the guy is awesome. And somehow, I've never come across his stuff before. And he has some really good explanations for things that we've talked about, but I didn't understand the, you know, some of the mechanisms, or maybe I knew some, I, but I learned some new stuff. And you come across this new person, and you, and then you find out they're doing Bulletproof, and they're talking about, you know, Tim Note, and you're like, oh, well, look, he knows all mm -hmm. these, well, of course, because we're all in this, and, and it's a very, very small community. So when you find somebody, they know everybody who's doing this stuff, but once you step outside of this group, they know nobody. It's it, and it's hard. It's hard to get your head around that when you're immersed in it all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and somebody like Dave Asprey, he'll occasionally get you know ten minutes on Good Morning America, but it's ten minutes on Good Morning America. The show's been on for like a hundred years. You know how many people have been on there and. You know, the average person who sees that may or may not go try Bulletproof Coffee. Probably not. Um, and he'll be forgotten the next day. You know, even when they get some mm -hmm. sort of national spotlight, it's very, very limited. Um, so, you know, I, I don't even know exactly where I'm going with the topic other than to say, consider yourself really fortunate. I do that I mm -hmm. somehow yeah across this you know it, it I, I didn't know what was going to happen when we started down this road um, I feel very fortunate that I'm a big reader and I was exposed to this and I guess that's really the lesson here that if however it happened your friend told you your spouse told you you happened to pick up a book or listen to a podcast caught your attention enough that you kept researching Consider yourself very fortunate. I, I do. I consider myself blessed and fortunate that I came across this because it is, it, it is absolutely more life-changing than anything else I could think of. Mm -hmm. I agree. Very grateful. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to jump right into your calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Destination Health is here with me. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. 
I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, we're talking about some odds and ends. Uh, we're going to get to some phone calls and find out what it is you want to talk about today. Let's start off in New Jersey. Dennis, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim. Good to talk to you again. I've been on this uh, ketosis for some time, and uh, I had to uh, do some uh, hot and heavy driving for a while, so I loaded up on sugar and uh, came off it. But I noticed I wasn't gaining. I'd lost like 22 pounds, and I didn't gain anything uh, when I, you know, started loading up on the sugar for a few weeks. So I, you know, kind of continued to fudge a little bit, and all of a sudden I put on six pounds. <laughs> Can't lose it again. Yeah, and this is unusual, by the way. Is the six pounds really consistent? Like, how long have you been six pounds heavier? Oh, yeah, it's been months. Oh, months. Okay. The one thing I always caution people about, your weight could swing four or five pounds in a day sometimes, Um, especially if you're moving in and out of ketosis, because you can go through that cycle of, well, I dropped all the glycogen and all the water went with it. Then I loaded back up on glycogen and the water came back. So anybody, anybody or anybody, we can have pretty big weight swings. If you have somebody moving in and out of ketosis, you can have even bigger weight swings. But your six pounds is months, so that's consistent. It's a true six-pound gain. There are a lot of theories about why this happens, and it does happen pretty regular. People use a very low-carb diet, have incredible results, lose a lot of weight. For whatever reason, they gain some back, almost always because they changed the way they were eating. And then no matter how strict they do ketosis again, they don't lose it. There's a lot of theories. I'm kind of working on one now, and maybe it's only because of what I've been focused on and what I'm researching. The thing is, most of the theories have no proof. Um, It's mostly anecdotal. We know somebody who did this and it worked, or we know somebody who did that and it worked. I tried this and it didn't work. So really, nothing I tell you is fact right now. Nothing I tell you is really proven. But what we do know, we do know a couple things. We know that weight gain or weight loss is much, much more about hormones than it is about calories or even about macronutrients. You know, we can use a certain balance of macronutrients to help somebody lose weight, but it's not always the same. For some people, it's very high fat. Other people can do well on moderate carbohydrates. So there's no magic number, but we know it has an impact. Macronutrient balance is more important than calories. But what it really comes down to seems to be hormones. Problem with hormones is probably some of the most complicated things going on in our body. There's many hormones all working together, multiple different systems in the body being affected. Um, So... We know that insulin is kind of the master hormone, and and insulin is driving a lot of things. I'm almost working on a theory of when you go into ketosis and you're on a ketogenic diet, especially in our crowd with people who are on the road a lot, it's not always a really healthy diet. And, and we know that, and, and we kind of tolerate it because it does help. It helped you lose 22 pounds. 
but and, and we've had people lose 122 pounds and you know get off blood pressure medication and all kinds of prescription drugs and that's good and our goal was always okay solve as many problems as we can with this even though it's not completely healthy and then let's try to transition people into thinking of a more healthy way of staying low carb so we're developing what we refer to as nutrient dense keto is definitely low carb moderate protein high fat but the emphasis is really on food quality and really high quality and nutrient dense it, it's very different than just saying look you can eat butter and bacon all day and you're going to lose weight you can as crazy as it sounds we've seen it but we also know that if you're eating butter and bacon all day you're not going to be healthy it's going to create its own set of problems one of them that we know, especially in truck drivers, because we keep seeing it, is we see adrenal fatigue. Well, adrenal fatigue is all about hormones. What might be happening, again, this is just a total theory because of all the things I've been thinking about. I'm not even sure if I've seen this anywhere else. I don't think I have. Um, we go into a, a not so healthy ketogenic diet. We see great results the first time. We also stress our adrenals. Now our adrenals are fatigued and our hormone levels are out of whack. And maybe we can maintain the weight if we stay ketogenic. But when we come out of ketosis and we start eating a bunch of sugar and now our hormones are raging because our adrenals are weak and we see this gain makes sense and we can't lose it again because our adrenals are shot. That, that it's it's a theory um, just based on all the stuff I've been working on because these are patterns that we've been seeing. So Kim and I have been spending a lot more time with our one-on-ones working on lifestyle, you know, and a nutrient-dense keto. Let, let's get away from the, okay, I'm low-carb, it must be healthy and it's working. Let's really start pushing from day one that if you're going to do this, you still have to focus on nutrient-dense quality, and we have to address the lifestyle. We have to relax. We have to take more time off. We have to make better connections. We have to do some things like meditation and get, getting out walking in nature. And it's hard to get our head around that meditating 30 minutes a day could help us lose weight. It just doesn't make any logical sense, but it works. And, and it works, I believe, because getting that parasympathetic nervous system back in dominance has a huge impact on our hormones, and our hormones have a huge impact on weight. Does any of that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. So we've seen this problem. People get really, really stuck on it. Sometimes fasting works. Sometimes, you know, working on digestion helps. Sometimes being really, really strict on keto works. But a lot of times those things don't work and people stay stuck here. And we're really pushing towards the nutrient-dense keto and addressing lifestyle very heavily. And, and we're starting to see better results. Um, Kim, you and I had two people yesterday. Um, we saw absolute movement in their adrenal scores, and, and that's hard to do, and we've been doing it. But both of those people 
you mentioned this, they were very good on their diet and they were doing the lifestyle stuff that we recommended. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that it's, it's the key thing that has been the game changer for me just this year, putting the focus to it. And it wasn't overnight. It was, um, but yet now we've got things in place, you know, like the meditation apps, that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, it's, and really focusing on my sleep. It's, it's just been a game changer for me. And, and you just feel better in general too, you know? So it's kind of, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole circle, you know, keeping it nice and round. And I had, a, yeah. I just pulled it back up. There's a, there was an article, I get a, an email from mind, body green. And there's some, you know, always have some good stuff in there. And, and this caught my attention. It's the only one I clicked into this morning and it was five questions. He always asked his patients who want to lose weight. And it was that, what's your sleep like? What's your current diet? Like how stressed are you? And what's your exposure, your exposure to toxins? I had one about labs, but I thought that was really interesting, you know, and it's just right in line with what we're finding. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. You know, my open today was about this tiny little community that's making so many new discoveries. And, and you know, it, it's funny that you say, hey, wait a minute. I just had that thought. This doctor just did a study and kind of proved it. This doctor believes that it's happening. This person is working on, mm -hmm. you know, meditation yoga and getting and you think well how did how did we all come to the same conclusion at the same time right and it's yeah. because we're all diving into this stuff and and it's logical mm -hmm. and and you see it and if especially the people who are working with patients clients you know whatever the situation is because not only then do you get your own results but you and i kim now are seeing patterns over and over and over uh, so it's not magic that, you know, lots of coming to the same conclusion at the same time. It's just logic. We're, we're all reading the same stuff. We're all trying the same things. We're all watching the patterns and we are coming to the same conclusions. And a big one now is, you know, we can't ignore lifestyle anymore. This is a huge part of all of these issues that we're trying to improve. So, Dennis, does that help? Yes, it does. Uh, I wanted to ask if uh, just Dr. Oz had an article uh, in a magazine about Steve Green. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Anytime I hear Dr. Oz, I gotta you know get prepared. <laughs> we're we're gonna be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. All right, we're heading into the final segment, but uh, don't fret. We're going to come back. We're going to do a second hour. Uh, we have lots of questions right now, but I'll keep you updated if it looks like we're going to have some openings. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're talking to D 
Dennis. Uh, Dennis, go ahead. What was Dr. Oz talking about this time? Uh, suggesting laying off the uh, the meats for a few weeks and just eating a lot of greens. What do you think about that? Uh, I have mixed feelings about that. That's at least a lot less controversial than most of the stuff he talks about. So uh, this is actually a good one. You would not do any anything negative to your body if you followed that advice. Let's just start there. You know, going a couple weeks without, you know, uh, meats and really focusing on healthy vegetables and good fats. Let's not forget that. Um, certainly not going to do you any harm. There's lots of good reasons to do that. If you were going to do it long term, you better be really good at it. I, I think there there is a place that you could be a healthy vegetarian. If you were really focused on making sure you've got plenty of good quality fats, that you didn't replace meat with a bunch of grains and starches, and you focused on a lot of really healthy, dark leafy greens, some good healthy starches, um, if you include eggs and if you could tolerate dairy, um, there's kind of a movement, uh, my son told me about this, it was kind of interesting, that some vegetarians are now embracing uh, mollusks, um, things like clams, oysters, because they're claiming if you look at their physiology, they're almost more like plants than they are animals. They don't really have the same kind of nervous system that a, an animal does, so they're, they don't feel bad about eating them. If you could include oysters into a vegetarian diet, absolutely. But you have to be really strict. So doing it short term, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Aren't bottom feeders uh, bad for you? No. I, you know, if you're talking about maybe fish, we've always said, you know, catfish or garbage, you know, feeders and that kind of stuff. Here's the thing. If that animal is in its natural habitat, what it eats naturally is its natural diet. And we see over and over when an animal eats its natural diet, it's healthy. So if we eat it, it's going to make us healthy. It, when we start farming these fish, they can become horrendous, worse than factory farmed meat sometimes. But if we take oysters and, and oysters don't live very long, so they don't have time to accumulate all the toxins we're worried about that could be in the oceans today. And oysters even farmed are farmed out in a very natural setting. We haven't screwed up like oyster clam and mussel farming yet. So they can be healthy. And they're, they're, you know, I've been making the claim that I think beef liver might be the single most nutritious food you could eat. And again, my son brought this to my attention. He showed me a nutritional profile. And overall, I think raw oysters take the number one spot now. They're, you know, what happens with beef liver is you get a three or four things off the charts high, good things. And then you get a lot of other stuff. So it is incredibly healthy. With oysters, you get a really good balance of a lot of things and some things that we just don't get in other foods, nutrients. So, you know, I can't say enough about raw oysters. I wish I could eat them every day. I just don't have access to them. Um, so 
you know, Kim, I, I know you would agree with this. You're big on, you know, lots of vegetables and dark leafy mm -hmm. greens. And we've been talking about less and less protein. You know, if you did this for a couple of weeks, you're certainly not going to do any mm -hmm. damage to your health. I agree too. Get the good fats in there, and um, yeah, it's and 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 again, biohack. You know, it's, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we read a lot you know. about straight vegetarian diets and especially vegan diets not being, you know, good for you long term. But you know, it does change things up, gives your body a little digestion break, and um, but but absolutely pay attention to how it reacts. It's kind of fun, you know. See what it does yeah. yeah. You know, we, uh, uh, Michael and the boys are here for a couple days. We took them to the zoo yesterday and had fun, walked around outside. Portland Zoo is just an awesome setting as far as the, the surroundings and walking. And, you know, we've, we're in Portland. Let's go find a cool place to eat. And I keep hearing about this restaurant called Lardo. And I'm like, come on, Lardo, we got to go try that. <laughs> so it was just, it's almost like a little sandwich shop kind of thing, but they're food was incredible. Um, I will say the best food I've had in Portland since I've been really? here, and it will definitely make my top five of all the places I've eaten around the country. And it was just this nice. tiny little shop we ate outside on the sidewalk. Um, I had, they do a lot of sandwiches, but as soon as you ask them for no bread, they'll say, oh, do you want us to put it on one of our salads? Absolutely. Oh. I don't have to explain this to you. They just do it. Um, so it was this awesome mix of greens, their own house made kimchi, which was excellent. Um, a roasted pork shoulder that was to die for. Uh, there were some other things in the salad itself, but then I got an order first time I've ever eaten them, but I won't be the last pig's ears, fried mm. pig's ears, dusted with Parmesan and served with like a habanero honey. It was the hottest honey. I, I love hot stuff, but this, it was so good. Uh, it, yeah, it was incredible. And uh, everything we had at the table was just awesome. There were a couple things you'd say wasn't the most healthy thing. You know, you certainly don't want to eat honey all the time, but honey's, if you're going to eat a sweetener, it's a good one. This was local stuff. Um, I, the food quality was just incredible and the flavors were amazing. And it was, I mean, if you ate like that every day, you'd be healthy, even with the honey and some of the other things we did, because it was real whole food. It was fresh. It was natural, mm -hmm. good balance. I mean, it was tons of greens and the kimchi and just a little bit of meat. I mean, even though the place was called Lardo, it, it wasn't mm -hmm. like we were, you know, it wasn't piles and piles of meat. It was a little bit of meat, really, really good meat, really excellent fats, and lots and lots of fresh vegetables and fermented vegetables. What a great way to eat. That is great. And I love that. When people just appreciate good food um, and and share that in that, in such a way. Yeah, I just pulled them up to look at them too. <laughs> just a nice, <laughs> small, quaint menu. But to hear you talk about it, my goodness, that sounds awesome. Oh, the, you know, I, I am a foodie inside and out, and all of us are. I mean, Michael, obviously, Lisa and I, that's what we do. And it is so hard for us now to find those places that mm -hmm. just really impress you. Because we've been doing this a long time. It takes a lot to impress me when it comes to food. Now, on the other hand, I'm really simple. You know, give me some ribs and coleslaw and I am happy. 
uh, you know, it's not like I have to eat this way all the time, but I do seek it out. It's like finding that excellence, you know, that's so yeah. exciting because it's so rare. And this was one of them. Somebody really knows what they're doing uh, with food because every bite I put in my mouth was just awesome. That's great. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get to some more phone calls. Let's go to uh, Texas. Wade, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim. Um, Hi there. You, you you keep talking about you know the whole foods and stuff. Um, I didn't know if you could go into to more detail um, on the, uh, the the fat side of it. I know it's supposed to be healthy fats, but it's like how much, you know, are you like an avocado, you know, per meal, more, it's just, no one ever well, talks about how much. Well, just to give you an idea, if we, let's just talk about the three macronutrients for a second, protein, okay. carbohydrates, fat. We know there are tremendous downsides to too many carbohydrates, even if they're healthy. There, there's clearly can be problems with carbohydrates. We know there are problems with too much protein. If it's unhealthy protein, we can really have problems. But even the best well-raised protein, if we eat too much of it, there are downsides to eating too much protein. There's more and more evidence that, there, that fat is the least problematic of all of the macronutrients. It's almost impossible to overeat it as long as we're not excluding the other good foods we are eating because we're eating so much fat, it's killing our appetite. That, that's kind of the only caveat I'll put on this. Just to give you an idea, I feel my healthiest when my the percentage of calories in my daily food intake, when 80% of my calorie fat, that's when I feel the best. That's when my biomarkers are the best. That is an so Sorry, it's and and the other thing we know about fat is that is it is incredibly satiating so you're not going to eat too much it's hard to put a number on what too much is but it's self-limiting carbs the more you eat them the more you want them fat the more you eat of it the less you eat of everything so you know, I, I, I may come back to this in the next episode. We're running out of time right now. But I don't want to say you can't ever eat too much. But it's the one I worry about the least as long as you make them very high quality. They have to be the right fats. We have some list of really good fats. And if you stick to those, kind of hard to overdo it. We'll be right back. Or no, we'll be back next time. Join us. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, we are going to start another segment. Still, I think there's some room, uh, room for questions. If you jump in right now, press one on your phone. Uh, I think we'll be able to get to you. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you an offer today. If you jump in and press one on your phone and we don't get to all the questions in the second hour, I'll keep going. And, and maybe we'll only do one more segment. I'll just keep going till we run out of questions. So 
Today's your chance. If you press one on your phone right now, I promise you, we'll just keep going till I get to you. Let's go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. I've got my co-host, Kim Cocker, him with me. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health, food, nutrition, diet, lifestyle, exercise, training, disease, drugs, supplements, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. Questions, comments, topics, whatever they are, we're going to get to yours and see what it is you want to talk about. Kim, welcome back. Hi, so glad to be here, Kevin. How are you? Good, good. You know, I had a, uh, a something I wanted to talk about today. And at the end of the last show, we had a great caller, uh, somebody asking about, you know, he knows fats are really good and we're supposed to be eating fat, but he was confused as to how much. And, you know, there's no simple answer to that question, but we don't have to overthink this either. You know, I said that with all of my experiment and tweaking, I seem to really thrive on 80 to 85 percent of my calories for the day coming from fat. Now, that's obviously at the high side, just because if you were to go any more than that, you wouldn't have room for nutrition. So, and even at 80%, I have to work really hard to make sure everything else I put in my mouth is really nutrient dense. So you're just not going to see me eating when I can control it. You're just not going to see me eating things that aren't high quality and nutrient dense because I know I've only got a limited number of calories to get all that nutrition in. And it's not like I'm trying to limit my calories. It's just that when you eat that much fat, you just eat a lot less of everything. It, it's mm -hmm. so satisfying to your appetite. It's so uh, calorie and energy, energy dense that when you eat a lot of fat, good quality fat, and you eat nutrient dense food, your body says, hey, we're good. You don't need to eat anymore. You now have all of the nutrition you need. And that's the only reason we have an appetite. It's the only reason we should have an appetite. Your body is just saying, we know we need this, these nutrients in these amounts. Once you get them, appetite's gone. You, you don't need to eat anymore. The problem in our diet, you know, standard American diet, we never get that nutrition. We never stop eating. It just makes sense. Um, so for me, I'm at the extreme end, but I have some scientific validation for this now. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you at all yet or not. I know I haven't talked about it on the air. I got my results back from my glucose oh. tolerance test. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that? Um, what I am. Uh, I should probably go read this. I'll kind of give you the the round up on it as I um, log in to find my actual results. I want to get some of their wording. Um, I am very efficient at metabolizing energy. 
it, mm-hmm. that's the same as saying, you know, I've got a, you know, a fast metabolism kind of thing. And I, mm-hmm. I've always known, that. obviously, I, um, up until my 40s, I really didn't struggle with weight at all. Um, and even when I did, it wasn't any kind of an extreme. Um, you know, Michael's the same way. It, some of this is genetic. Some of it's lifestyle. I've always been very active. You know, as a child, I was very active. I was always in sports. So it, some of it could be genetic. Um, some of it is we create these things over time by our lifestyle. So I, I do metabolize energy well, but I am very sensitive to carbohydrates and insulin. Hmm. So that, if very, I, okay, that makes, yeah. I'm very sensitive to carbohydrates uh-huh. and insulin, meaning if I eat carbohydrates, I trigger a strong insulin mm-hmm. response. And the insulin response puts me into fat storage mode. Wow. So, I, and remember, I, I wrote, you know, an article about this when I looked at my DNA history and mm-hmm. found out that most of my ancestors lived very far away from the equator. And I kind of said, I think there's this connection that, you know, th- they wouldn't have had access to a lot of fruits and vegetables most of the year. They were too far away from the equator. They probably did exist mostly on animal products because that's what's available in the wintertime. And genetically, I think that predisposes me um, to mm-hmm. doing better on a high fat, you know, moderate protein, but very low carbohydrate diet. So it all starts yeah. to make sense. You know, my results personally, my genetic results, when you look at it that way, and now this direct glucose tolerance test, which was pretty extensive. Um, Not only did I have to drink the glucose solution as a challenge and then test blood sugar, but I also at four different times tested blood sugar, saliva pH, and urine pH all at the same time. And they use all the information about what's going on in your body um, to, to tell you how well? So it says I'm an efficient metabolizer. Um, the results of your testing show that you use energy from food very quickly. And here's this is what I was looking for. And you are efficient at oxidizing fats, but you are sensitive to the effects of dietary carbohydrates and insulin. Mm-hmm. If you huh. don't use energy from ingested calories immediately, you will store it as fat. Ah, huh. Your body will respond best to a diet that stabilizes your blood sugar and includes foods higher in healthy fats with good quality proteins and lots of fibrous vegetables. Awesome. That's neat. Yeah. Which you do. Yes. And so not only are they saying I'm, you know, not efficient at handling carbohydrates, I'm very efficient at oxidizing fats. It, It all starts to make sense now and mm-hmm. and you mentioned mm-hmm. at the end of the show that you, you know you find your sweet spot when it comes to fats you know answering mm-hmm. his question i did find mine through a lot of testing a lot of tweaking um you found yours through the same thing a lot of mm-hmm. trial and error a lot of testing yours is significantly lower than mine mm-hmm. you're in the 65 mm-hmm. to 70 percent range still yeah off parts high in fat compared to what they tell us we should be eating but significantly lower than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it's one of those things where, and if anybody's, you know, experiencing this as well, where you're just like, I'm doing everything right. Something's not happening, you know? And, 
Um, so that was one of the things I adjusted. And so that's also one of the reasons why I don't, and I did today, I had a bulletproof coffee this morning, but I don't always have one because, um, when I do, it throws me, you know, a little higher fat than I, um, instead of balance throughout the day. Um, it also throws my protein off, which I still try to be moderate, but then I really have a hard time getting protein in because I'm not hungry, you know? So the best way I found to do that, and that's why I go through periods and I'm in that now where I track my food very religiously, um, so that I can only really for the macros and just to make sure I'm, you know, kind of balanced and yeah, that's where I play with it. I'm, I'm between 65 and 70%. More to, more to so, 65. Yeah. So it, 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 we know that your diet should kind of be built around good, high quality fats. The, the number, you know, it, it just depends on a lot of things, some genetics, how much damage you've already done to your insulin sensitivity over the years. That's going to play a role in this. Um, I don't want to overcomplicate things. Have fun with this. Play around with it. Try different things. Mm-hmm. See what kind of results you get. You know, after three years, I still try different things. I try different ways of eating. The only thing I will never change, uh, and you don't hear me use the word never very often, uh, is the fact that it's always going to be whole real food of the best quality mm-hmm. I can find and nutrient dense. That's not changing. Mm-hmm. Um, if I play around, I might add more fruit. Um, I may eliminate fruit. I may add more you know, starchy vegetables. I may even add rice once in a while. I'll play around with things sticking with the whole real food other than white rice. I will not stray on the grains. I, that is one thing mm-hmm. I've decided. Um, white rice, yeah, it's a grain, um, not very problematic. When you strip the outer layers off, um, you get rid of most of the problematic proteins and really what you're left with is starch. Um, so I, I have to watch the carbohydrate count with it, but other than that, it's not very problematic. So, I, I'll, you know, I'll play around with, uh, you know, I've been making more ice cream and using, you know, honey and maple syrup as sweetener not worrying too much about those carbs. And honestly, what I'm finding is there are minor differences. I might fluctuate a pound or two with different macronutrient balance. Not much, not as much as I thought I would. My mood changes slightly, but I've got to be really paying attention to catch it and documenting things. So I think one of the things I'm finding is the longer we do this, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on three years with this now. Um, I went grain-free in the fall almost three years ago, so I'm coming close to three years. The longer I do it, the more I feel like I can play around with my macronutrient balance with no real negative consequences, but I keep coming back to this. I seem to thrive under the very high fat, and even... You know, medical testing shows that there's a reason for that with me. So we'll, uh, we're going to get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about some of that. I have some really disturbing news about diabetes. And then we'll get to your calls and questions. Stick around. Kevin Rothenberg.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, Kim, carrying on that kind of theme, because we're talking about macronutrient balance, and and the one we know is most problematic is carbohydrates. You know, and there's some interesting thing about carbohydrates. When we talk about things being essential, when we talk about nutrition, that word is used very specifically to mean if we label something as essential, like essential fatty acids or essential amino acids, it is a very specific term that means your body produced that compound from other things and you have to consume it in your diet. It's why we talk about there, you know, all kinds of different fats but we focus a lot of times on omega-3 and omega-6 because they're essential. Our body can't make those fats. We have to consume them directly. The same thing with proteins. There are, is it 21 amino acids and 14 are essential? That's right. I think that's the right number. I took my cheat sheets down off my wall. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I'm close, but you'll you'll get the, whether I'm perfect on that or not, you'll get the Mm -hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Some of the amino acids, our body can just produce. You give it the right nutrition, it makes its own amino acids. But there are essential amino acids that we can't make no matter how good your nutrition is. So we have to eat those essential amino acids directly. That's fat and protein. There are no essential carbohydrates. There's nothing we get from carbohydrates that our body can't make on its own except vitamin C. So vitamin C is the one nutrient that our body can't make that we could possibly get from foods that are high in carbohydrates, but that's it. So that alone, I'm not not telling you you don't need to eat carbohydrates, but that fact alone should tell us that of the macronutrients, this is probably the least important. You know, we could get these nutrients in other places if we work hard enough. Uh, even vitamin C can be obtained from animal sources if you're doing it right. So knowing that, and, and it's carbohydrates causing all the problems, um, we have always talked about the damage that high blood sugar causes, high blood glucose, and we know it causes damage. Your blood sugar stays elevated over 140. You're going to have problems directly created by that sugar. The higher it goes, the worse it's going to be. We talk about glycation, where the sugar literally coats the nerves and stops them from functioning properly. That's where we get diabetic nerve pain. It's why Alzheimer's is now called type 3 diabetes, because the sugar actually glycates the neurons in your brain and they can't function anymore. So it's like the sugar coating things in our body. It's a little simplified, but... We know that's what's happening. So our focus has always been on lower blood sugar, lower blood sugar. Um, In our world, lowering blood sugar by diet, absolutely that's what we should be doing. In the medical community, they've lowered blood sugar with insulin because that's what our body does. It produces insulin that moves the blood sugar into the cells. We become insulin resistant And just like a heroin addict who keeps needing more and more heroin, we need more and more insulin. Our body can't produce enough. Our pancreas starts to wear out and produces even less when we need it more. And the medical community says, that's okay, we'll give you insulin. 
or will give you drugs, a certain class of drugs that makes your body produce even more. We're going to force your body to produce more. When I read this statistic, I just read it this morning, so I have to go deep dive into this, but this was, a, again, a, a scientific research documented. I, I want to go back and make sure I get these numbers right. They, they went back and identified 20,000 patients. This isn't a small study. 20,000 patients where insulin or insulin-producing drugs were added to their regimen. They checked them. So, you know, the, 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 if they're going to put you on insulin, if they can get your, you know, A1C down to 6%, they're pretty happy. Uh, that's considered excellent control as a type 2 diabetic to stay at 6%, which is still problematic in my book. But here's what they found. If they took patients that had an A1C of 10.5, to give you an idea of how bad that is, you can no longer hold a CDL at that point. On doesn't matter how many medications, how many doctors, if your A1C is 10.5, you're done. So that's pretty extreme. Paired patients who didn't take any insulin or insulin-raising drugs and their blood sugar stayed out of control at 10.5, they compared their health outcomes to people who took the insulin, got their blood sugar down to 6.0, saying that was excellent, their risk of death was worse. The patients on the insulin, their risk of heart disease was worse. Their risk of death was worse, extremely worse, not just a little. Like, I think I remember one number in there. They had a 265% increased chance of death. Is that on the commercials at the end of the, the commercial? Yeah. Where they say oh, that? oh, I'm Good glad Lord. you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. The commercials, the direct to consumer yeah. advertising of drugs. I, I had something about that I wanted to talk about. Um, there's only two countries in the world that allow it it's mm -hmm. the United States. And unfortunately, if I ever moved out of the United States, the one country in the world I've always mm -hmm. wanted to live in. Wonder if Paul's yeah. listening. Uh, New Zealand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're the only other country that allows this. I'm shocked that they're the other. I mean, I'm shocked, I that, but that, that actually know. blew my mind too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's bad enough that we allow these commercials, we allow these full page magazine inserts, we allow full page newspaper inserts, pushing drugs to people who don't understand drugs. But you, if you listen to any of these commercials, you hear that long list of potential mm -hmm. side effects that they try to whisper as they're showing you pictures of people enjoying life and, you know, living the good life and looking very healthy. In the background, you hear, oh, yeah, and you could die. You might commit suicide. You, I, it's horrendous what the side effects are. The AHA, no, not the AHA, the uh, FDA is now looking at and doing testing and research on whether or not it would be a bad thing to just drop all those side effects from the advertising. So the, the oh, pharmaceutical geez. companies won't even have to tell you that stuff anymore. That's terrible. That doesn't even Un make sense. It doesn't. The commercials uh, don't in the first place, but good Lord. Yeah, but now we're finding out that 
there might be more damage done by high insulin, even more so than high glucose. Now, I'm not saying it's good to have high blood sugar. It's horrible to have high blood sugar. You are going to die a horrendous death. You're going to lose limbs. You're going to lose eyesight. You're going to go through pain. You're going to have, you know, bodily functions shutting down. It's not good. But what's really scary, antidote could be even worse. That high insulin could be causing more problems. So the real key is we have to lower insulin. And the only way to lower insulin is to lower the dietary carbohydrates. And even more so, we have another problem with this. Um, there's a sugar out there that doesn't impact insulin, but really impacts health and then kind of does impact insulin in a very circular way, and that's fructose. Fructose is handled very differently by your body. It doesn't spike blood sugar, and it doesn't trigger an insulin response. So now you have people promoting fructose for that reason. What fructose does is go directly to your liver, cause fatty liver, which causes insulin spikes. So we've got two problems with fructose. Um, it's, it's incredible the evidence that just keeps mounting and mounting that we need to get back. You know, all of the data can be incredibly complicated. The beauty of it is the answer is so simple. Mm -hmm. And I went and pulled up an email from one of our, um, our tribe out there that she had sent us um, on June 8th, and that was it. She had her A1C checked, and she started back in September. She was 10.2, and strictly diet, as of June 8th, she was 5.7. So, yeah, isn't that awesome? That's the, the simple answer that we have mm -hmm. to get back. We don't yeah. need more complicated drugs that make you pee the sugar out of your body. We don't need drugs. That's not the answer to this. The simple answer, and she is just an awesome example of this, she took her own blood sugar from over 10, her A1C from over 10 to under 6, which the medical community considers 6 excellent control. She took it lower than that to 5.7 in a fairly short period of time with nothing but food. That's the good news. That's the simple answer. So uh, the music's playing. I've got to get to a break. Uh, what do you say when we get back? We get to some calls and questions. Sure. Got some good ones. All right. Let's get to it. Let me get to this break first, and we'll come back and see what it is you want to talk about today. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to jump right into the phone calls. Let's go to Indiana. Daniel, welcome to the program. And how are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, 
Well, um, I've kind of got me and my girlfriend on the same line, and um, I've been trying to kind of get the both of us to do a a dietary shift to eating for to being ketosis. Okay. And we've been listening to the past couple programs, and there's a lot to kind of dive in. We're kind of looking for a starting point. Uh, because realistically, we'd love to get down a hundred pounds a piece, but at even fifty or twenty, I mean that that would be excellent. But to just be healthy, to Got be it. able to say that we're we're is that the dropping weight is a side effect. But I just kind of want to know where to start. What she used to read a lot and life kind of got busy, but she kind of wanted to get back into reading, so okay. she might do the reading and tell me. Because I'm on a road and she's not, and I figure if we can support each other, we got a better shot. Absolutely. I love that, that you're doing this together. That is fantastic. It increases the chances of success tenfold it, mm-hmm. when you're doing this together. So that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Um, you know, there there's so many good books to read. Um, you know, one of them we've been recommending forever on just pure straight keto with some really good medical background, but not too much, uh, is Keto Clarity by Jimmy Moore. Um, one of the first books that came out on keto, still a good one. Um, the, the only criticism I may have of that book is that it doesn't focus enough on nutrient density and quality. Um, and, but if you want to understand keto, he interviews a lot of doctors. There's a lot of great information in there. So I still highly recommend that book. Um, Dr. Mercola's new book, Fat for Fuel, is an excellent book. Um, Kim, what's the title of Mark Hyman's latest book? Eat, eat Fat, Get Thin. Eat Fat, Get Thin. Um, Kim, wouldn't you say those are three excellent books to start with yeah. on, on really looking at high fat specifically? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just said, and you turned me on to it, dietdoctor.com. They have yeah. um, a great starting program that will send you an email each day. We'll have recipes. We'll have you know, information out there to get you started too. So with yeah, that, Daniel – Dietdoctor.com. Yeah, he's actually a Swedish doctor who is who has mm-hmm. just been leading the whole high fat charge for a long time, and they have great information that's easy to follow. Um, Daniel, what's your girlfriend's name? Uh, her name is. Oh, why am I blanking here? She's on the line. <laughs> Alvin. Oh, <boy>. I, <laughs> listen, I blanked. I've done that too. I've done it too, and I've been married thirty years. <laughs> oh no, I feel bad. I got you in trouble. Um, <laughs> Keto gives okay, you uh, so, clear brain function too. So that's right. Right, Kim. Daniel, we are going to help you so that never happens to you again because I'm going to blame it on the carbohydrates created. Uh, so, oh, well, I got something. <laughs> here's the thing. I, I'm going to give you my real simple approach to this without getting specific about which foods to eat and that kind of. I'm going to give you a, like what I think is a really simple way to ease into this. The first thing I want you to do stop drinking any form of sugar 
no sugar in liquid form whatsoever. No sugar in coffee, no sugar in tea, no sodas, obviously, including diet sodas. None of those. They are horrible for this. Um, no fruit juices of any kind. No liquids with sugar. And that's the only change I want you to make right now. That's it. Just make one at okay. a time. Uh, the big ones, because for a lot of people, this is a big one. So I, I don't want you to yeah. feel overwhelmed in the beginning that you have to do all these different things. So I like doing it in steps. Nobody says we have to go from 400 grams of carbohydrates a day to 30. I, you know, that that's not a good idea for a lot of people. So pick your time frame, whatever you're comfortable with. It could be a week. It could be a month for all I care. If you were to cut out all liquid forms of sugar for a month, but that was all you did, that would be a lot. And you're going to see results from that alone. Um, water is the only liquid our body actually requires. Um, I do like coffee. So, you know, coffee for me with no sweetener is a, a regular. Um, bulletproof coffee um, is great. Tea with no sugar. You have to just have a little bit of sweetness in the beginning. Use something like stevia. Um, so it, it is a natural sweetener substitute that, that is less problematic. I think it's easier if you can just to eliminate the sweet factor completely and just suck it up and get through it. And that's why we like to do just one thing at a time. Whatever time frame you pick to do okay. that, whether it's a week or a month, the next step that you're going to tackle when you feel comfortable is eliminate all grains. So when we talk about grains, we are talking about anything that has wheat. That's the big one. So pasta, bread, crackers, anything that has wheat flour is out. I mean, th this one you should cut completely out. Don't even think about eating anything with wheat in it. But this also includes rice, corn, oatmeal, barley, quinoa, anything that is a grain eliminated out of your diet. Now, again, that's a huge dietary change. So that's the only, now you can't put the sugar back in either, the liquid sugar. So you got to stay, you know, liquid sugar free. And then you move on to the next step, which is eliminating all the grains. At this point, you are probably going to be pretty low carb already. It, you, you may still be around 100 grams a day if you're eating things like sweet potatoes or even white potatoes, which I wouldn't recommend, but you, know, you don't have to eliminate them with the grains yet. Um, if you're still eating a lot of fruit, you could be higher than 100 grams. So step one, no liquid sugar. Step two, no grains. At that point, you're going to be much lower carb than the rest of the population, and you're going to see huge improvements in all kinds of things, in brain fog, in joint pain, in energy levels. Um, so if that was all you ever did, those two steps would be huge and they would be life-changing. If you want to go the next step, which is really going to help you lose weight, that's when we would jump into a ketogenic diet that's where you have to focus on really, really eliminating carbohydrates, getting them down under 30 net grams a day. That's when you'll see the weight loss kick into high gear. And this is when you're going to go high fat 
because that's what we replace the carbohydrates with is fat, good quality fats. We keep our protein about the same or even decrease it some. And this is when you're going to see the energy levels, the better sleep, the mental clarity. And we would stay really low carb until we hit your weight loss goals. Then we could start adding the good carbohydrates back in. That's kind of a quick overview of kind of three steps that I think is a really good way to get into ketosis. Kim, anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's, that's really good. Um, and just, uh, you know, keep, you know, call us next week. I like when people do that for business-wise, you know, take it a week at a time and just know then, you know, plan on calling us again next Wednesday and let us know where you're at and, you know, possible next steps. And it's just a great way to stick with us. Yeah, you know, we have some webinars we've done on a lot of these topics. We have a lot of handouts with food lists, shopping lists, things like that. Um, if you want access to those, that is a paid service that we offer. Um, but we have several ways you could get into one of our silver or gold highway plans. Uh, you'll get access to a lot of that information. You could be on our uh, Health Gauges or Health Gauges Pro plans, and you'll have access to all that information. Um, if you don't want to spend any money on a program right now, you just listen to the show a lot. Go back, listen to our other uh, shows that are available on podcast on the website. Um, Diet Doctor, like Kim mentioned, is an excellent resource. Gives you food, recipes. There is a ton of good information out there. Um, we'd love it if you were in one of our programs, uh, but there's lots of ways to do it. Let's go to, well, let's go to a break. I'm looking at the clock. <clears throat> Looks like uh, we're going to wrap this segment up. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come back and we're going to jump right into more of your calls and questions. Right after this, there's the music. We'll come back. So don't go away. Lots of good stuff coming right around the corner. Check out the website. It is letstruck.com. If you want to listen to the past episodes of Destination Health, Kim, any idea how many episodes we have now? Oh, gosh. Um, hundred. I don't. I was thinking we were well over 100 because it'll be, what, three years in November. Yeah. 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 We do it every week. We've got to be up over 100. Lots of episodes. Right. Go check Letstruck.com. Look under the Audio Road tab. We'll be right back. Stick around. Kevin Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's go to Louisiana. George, welcome to the program. Oh, Kim, Kevin, thank you for taking my call. How are you today? You're okay. welcome. Can we right help on, you? right on. Um, all right, man. Uh, I've been listening to your show for about a year and a half now, and I've been 
doing the ketogenics diet for uh, probably about eight, nine months. Uh, I went from 285 pounds to about 235, and then I kind of plateaued. And uh, I have a couple other questions as well, but uh, I was hoping you could kind of steer me in the right direction uh, with that. And then uh, my doctor has uh, upped my meds, and I'm trying to get off the meds, which is uh, lopernicil and uh, provostatin. And I know they're both bad for me, but I I did some research, and I noticed that those two are kind of at the top of the list for ED as well. And I'm having a problem with that as well. (laughs) Uh, many drugs will cause that problem. Um, drugs are toxic to our body. You know, our our sexual function is incredibly complicated, hormone driven, and many drugs will will really wreak havoc with hormone production. So that's a very common side effect. Um, so. You say you've been keto. Do you measure food and, and you know, track macronutrients? And, and if so, no. okay, I, I would recommend you do that. And I don't mean forever for the rest of your life, but get something like my fitness pal or we use chronometer and it Kim even mentioned this. She's tracking her food, but she's really only looking at macronutrients. It, and that's the, the really the single most important factor, that and, and nutrition density. But for you right now, uh, macronutrient balance is where it's, where it's at. Um, I, I'm yeah, wondering, okay. I didn't catch the one name of the drug. Is the doctor, you're on diabetic medication for blood sugar control? Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, metformin as well as lipronacil you know, and, uh, and prevacetin. Okay. You know, the statin, I'll just jump right in and say that's a drug that I would just quit cold turkey. Um, Uh There's no evidence anybody should be taking those things. Um, The others, you know, metformin of all the diabetic drugs is uh, the least problematic. But our goal would be to get you that as well. And uh, I'm wondering what indication does he have that he wants to increase the dosage of the lipronisil. Well, she she did a uh, uh, a blood glucose, so she ran a whole bunch of tests, and and my she said my A one C was up, and it wasn't going to come down. Well, you know, I, I came back in in two months instead of three, and there you know there was like a uh, two and a half to three point drop in my A one C, and and but she she upped my privastatin. Uh, and that's when, you know, everything basically <laughs> went to crap, excuse my language, but, uh, well, it will, I'm just, I'm I mean, just, yeah, I'm just, just kind of wondering if there's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I, here's what I would do. Honestly, if I were you, I, I would find a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath and talk to them about the statin and, Mm-hmm. most of them are just going to tell you, just get off of it. There's no, you know, I'm not going to tell you to get off the metformin. There, there's a benefit yeah. to that right now. It's helping you control blood sugar. What I'm curious about is if you're, if you've been truly low carb this long, something else is causing the high blood sugar because you're still needing mm-hmm. the metformin and your doctor's even recommending more. And, mm-hmm. and that doesn't well, I- have to happen. Yeah, I was diagnosed late with uh, with high blood sugar, 
and it was up in when I first got tested, it was over 300. I never felt bad. I never, you know, they all say that you don't ever feel bad. You don't feel any changes. Right. Now she put right. me on Invokimet and then, but I've been out of it for the past week and my blood sugar has been down to 133 and it's never been that low. And that's without the Invokimet now or Invokana, excuse me. Invokana, which Invokana is a new class of diabetes drugs that mm -hmm. I think are really horrendous. Um, I would start tracking your macros. Ha have you taken mm -hmm. our NutriQ yet? It's free. It's an online questionnaire. No. No, I, I'm, I would I'm actually take... signed up at, at the website. I just haven't gone there and looked for these other things yet. Go look under health and health plans and you'll see the free NutriQ. Okay. You sign up, you'll go online, you'll answer a bunch of questions. I, I'm going to make a prediction that you are still showing blood sugar symptoms and we'll see that in the mm -hmm. NutriQ. And I'm going to say, Kim, what am I going to say? What, what else is he going to score high on? <laughs> oh, his adrenals. Yeah. You're going to be off yeah. the charts adrenals. on your adrenals. Yeah. We can address both of those because they both have an impact on blood sugar and you will see your yeah. blood sugar numbers come down. Kim gave an example. Um, we had somebody over 10 on their A1C. That would disqualify mm. you from a CDL on nothing yeah. but food alone down to 5.7. Yep, I heard that. But here's, here's my thing, though. I've, I've been on, you know, doing the keto for eight, nine months well, we, and I... George, I really George, didn't hold see the... George, hold on. Go ahead. George, hold on. I want yeah, to clarify something. Technically, technically, and I ah. know we even say this, but if we get technical, there ah. is... there. It's hard to say that something is a ketogenic diet or a ketogenic food. Because I could make yeah. an argument that a Big Mac could be ketogenic. I, that's a, a stupid mm -hmm. extreme, but this confuses a lot of people. You may have been... Keto. We don't know that you've been keto. I, I right. we know you've been attempting to be keto, but we would have to measure macronutrients exactly. for one thing, and we would actually have to measure ketones in your blood to know if you were truly ketogenic or not. And that's what I'm asking exactly. you to do. Get more strict okay. about watching the macros, and I would recommend getting either the Precision Extra Blood Meter and getting ketone strips for it, or get a getting the ketonic, um, the ketonics breath and measuring ketones. Mm -hmm. That would be a start. Um, I, okay. Then the other start, obviously, is do the NutriQ. We're going to be able to tell a lot. So if you do it, it's free. You can come on the air with us next week. We'll go over it with you. Um, but between diet and lifestyle, we fix this over and over and over. I, I said earlier that she did it with just diet. That's not true. I said with just food. It was lifestyle as well. And, and now we're finding that that really is the powerful one-two punch on blood sugar. Um, diet is huge. Lifestyle's looking pretty big too. Let's, uh, let's squeeze another call in. Let's go to Indiana. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey there. Jim, are you there? Oh, okay, good. Yep. Yeah, I didn't hear, I didn't hear the beat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I want to uh, get an idea. Let me give you about yesterday and today, all right? I slept eight hours night before last. I got up yesterday morning, and I felt like 
crap all day long. I yawned for eight hours. All right. I, uh, I, uh, oh, Steve. I, I did not drink my bullet. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. We lost you for Hello? a minute there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ate my my uh, my salad with my uh, homemade dressing that I make, uh, and and uh, I ate that, but I just felt like crap all day. Um, I I went ahead, I, I got my stop off, I got to a, a Petro, uh, and I went in and I got me a buffet. I'm going to do this because I, I want to talk about this because I think this is going to be a good lesson in here. I'm hearing it already, but I'm going to run out of time. So I'm going to bring you back on the next show and, and we're going to take our time on this because I'm starting to hear something I think might turn into a really good lesson and I don't want to have to rush it. But uh, Kim, we're just about out of time. Anything you want to close with? Yeah, I just want to, you know, you brought the webinar up again and um, have people go to our website, letstruck.com and look at the health services. The health gauges is out there. The webinars have, you know, we talked at either the beginning of this show or, or yes, our last show about how we're immersed into this, you know, health world and just learning so many new things. And you're bringing that to everybody through the webinars. And um, the webinars have been great. The handouts have been great, great resources. So go, uh, go check it out there and join us. Our next one is next Wednesday. We're the first Wednesday of every month. Absolutely. And we have four different plans you can be a part of and get access to those webinars. Our Silver Highway, our Gold Highway, Health Gauges, and Health Gauges Pro. So we give you lots of different options and you have access to that information. We dive really deep into each topic and really dig down in so we understand it. So join us on those. Join us on our health plans. We're all out of time. We will have to do this again real soon, and we will. Thanks for joining us. And I want you to eat real food, sleep like a baby, connect like you mean it, and move like your life depended on it. And always remember, a healthy person has hundreds of wishes. A sick person only has one. Stay healthy, my friends. Jeff Rutherford. All right, hang with us. I promised I'd keep going, and uh, looks like I've got four or five more questions on the line. So if you're on the line and you're holding, I'm going to keep going. It takes one segment, three segments, whatever it takes. If you're on the line with a question, we're going to get to it. Here we go. Uh, Kim, I should ask you, are you okay doing that? I didn't look at your schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank okay. you. All right. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cocker. Him will take your calls and answer your questions about everything health, fitness, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, training, exercise, 
food, supplements, drugs, you name it. The list goes on and on. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Kim, welcome back. Hi, so glad to be here, Kevin. Well, you know, I, I love doing this show. It, it, it just mm -hmm. fits so well with, with my strengths and what I love to do, which is research and learn and take things that are complicated and try to make them simple for other people to understand. And when it comes to the health world today and nutrition and food, there is just such a huge body of information. And I'm an information junkie. So um, it, it's kind of exciting for me to get up every day and, and know that I'm going to go do some more research. I'm going to go do some more testing. I'm going to read more. And I always love waking up on Wednesdays when we record Destination Health because then it's what I do all day. You know, on most days I have to focus on the business and, you know, trucking still and all that's still important and I still do it. But I set aside Wednesday, I get up early, I do a bunch of reading and there's never a shortage of topics. It's just exciting. It sure is. Yeah, so we, uh, I, I think what we're gonna do today though, even though I have 30 topics I could pick from and I could probably talk for the whole show about them. Uh, the other thing that we know is we always have a lot of good questions and we wanna help as many people as we can with what they're dealing with. So today we're just going to jump right into the questions and we're going we've got kind of a carryover. Steve called us at the end of the last show and I didn't feel like I had time to really help him. So we're going to get back to him right now. Steve, welcome back. Hey, I hope we got a better connection this time, but uh yeah, but to summarize, uh yeah, I had I had a food out with me normally and I had a great day of eating, had 8 hours of sleep night before last. Um I kind of attributed possibly to some stress I had yesterday morning. I could not get my air compressor to get my tank filled up yesterday morning. I mean, it was just something odd. Took me a while. Took me 20 minutes to run into high idle to get it up. And I, I was probably stressed. I didn't feel like I could go in at that point and get my bulletproof coffee, which I always drink every morning. That's why I left that out when I was talking to you earlier. But I did, okay. uh, I did eat. I had a salad. Riding down the road, but I felt I had eight, eight hours of sleep. I don't get eight hours. I get six, six and a half. That's my average. I got eight hours night before last, but I yawned all day for seven or eight hours. I had about six hours to get to a guaranteed delivery. That was probably one reason I was stressing when the air wasn't coming up. Um, right. I, I got there. I investigated while I was there, found no air problems. It may have been just the way the truck was sitting. I don't know, but. So I, I went on to a Petro, and I actually felt like I needed something else. So I got some pulled pork and some uh, – I, I don't get buffet. I get buffet to go if I do it. Pulled pork, uh, a chicken uh, – yeah, a, a leg quarter, uh, and I got some – they had fresh veggies that they sauteed. I, I got those. So I got those, and I ate that, and, and I, I felt a little bit better. And I got, I made another one same day pickup and delivery, short one. Uh, got that done. And when I got over to where I picked up this morning last night, uh, before my 14 ran out, uh, I, you know, I said, I still don't feel exactly right. So I actually un unhooked the trailer, rode to uh, Walmart, and uh, I had 
you get a couple of things. So I got a, I actually, while I was in there, I said, I need something. I'm craving something. I need something. I got a pint of ice cream, which I don't do. I, 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 I teach usually an occasional ice cream, a million bucks today. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's totally opposite yeah. yesterday. I actually feel better today than I normally do. And I know it shouldn't be because of what I ate there. But what is it that makes us go into a funk like that? May have been the stress yesterday morning. I don't know. But oh, not no, not bulletproof coffee. Let me let me jump in right there. It was the stress. And and I've been doing a lot of research on HRV and measuring, being able to measure stress now, physically measure it in our body, which is really exciting. I guarantee you you would have had a lousy heart rate variability on that day. And, and it's an accumulation. You know, it, this may have, your, your HRV, if we could have monitored it, may have been dropping a little bit each day. And then you hit a stressful event, a trigger that if your HRV was strong, that trigger would have been nothing, no big deal. But it caught you as you were already declining. Your hormones are out of whack. Your adrenals are slightly fatigued. You get this stressful event and your body doesn't have what it needs to respond to it properly. And it takes that one event to push us over the edge and you feel lousy. And sometimes something like sugar can actually help in the moment. Caffeine can help in the moment. Both of them will actually make things worse in the long run. Let me give you another example that's an extreme. Do, do you think... Because I'll tell you how something really bad for us can actually make us feel better. Do you think that when people do heroin for the first time, it makes them feel really lousy? Feel real good to start with. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's they, right. I, 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 I kind of lean toward that stress thing. You know, like yeah, like you're talking about. Though, because, uh, the first time people do drugs, they're on top of the world. They feel amazing like they've yeah. never, ever felt before in their life. That's why they're addictive. And they, it, there's actually a term yep. for it with heroin. The, the first time is so incredibly powerful and feels so amazing. You never get that back completely. And they call it chasing the dragon. And, and people become addicted yeah. chasing that feeling over and over and over. So sugar has been compared to opiates in many ways. You got an overdose of sugar. It made you feel incredible. But you know logically and because of what we know now that if you were to continue that you'd never be able to maintain that feeling and things would just get worse and worse over time pretty soon you'd be homeless in a cardboard box living under an underpass and begging on the corner stay away from sugar just say no yeah well that's it and like i say that 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 was i you know i'd be like i probably won't eat sugar again for the next month i i'll have a week if i have a week moment it's an ice cream sandwich just say you know, like I say, it's going to be 30 or 30 grams or so of, of sugar, yeah. I'm sure, on an ice cream sandwich. Uh, and, and, you know, that's okay. And if I do it now, I've heard you talk about if we have a bad experience, if you have it at night, at least your body has a chance to do some metabolism over your sleep period to maybe make it less. That and you know what? Doing this once in a while is no big thing and may even be beneficial. Um, I, you know, I, you know, Kim, yesterday I talked about the amazing food we had. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so right across the street from Lardo 
is a God. I forget the name of it. A Ruby Jewel might be the name of it. Um, it's a little ice oh, cream shop. Yeah. We'll actually compare it to Salt and Straw, which is an amazing ice cream shop. And Michael said, "Oh no, their ice cream's really good. We've had it." And I said, "All right." Well, Lisa kind of said it, but I certainly didn't argue. Uh, let's go try a little of their ice cream. And I did. I get a kid's cup. I don't eat a cone, so I just get a kid's cup. I almost couldn't finish a kid's cup. Ice cream was amazing. I, I'm not going to stress over that. You know, no big deal. Uh, and, and Steve, if it makes you feel good once in a while, do it. Just be careful. Just like we would with any substance like that, that we don't fall back into that trap and start doing it a lot. But we could probably make an argument that doing things like this once in a while are actually good for us. Kim, did I lose you? Did we lose him? There you are. Oh, I thought you were talking. I, was, I thought we were waiting for Steve no. to talk. No, I agree. I agree completely because um, you just do. Yeah, absolutely. You need that. And um, I think Steve has been doing this for so long, too, and is so in tune to his body. Um, and I think, and I just love how we've been talking about distress recently and realizing just what is going on in there when that happens. You know, when, when you, we, we call things comfort food, you know, and yeah. for people, ice cream is comfort food. Well, mm -hmm. think about your, your physical reaction when you eat something like that. And we call them comfort foods for reasons. Mm -hmm. They immediately make us feel better. Our breathing slows down. Our body, we, we say, oh, isn't that good? I mean, think mm -hmm. about that. that that's, that's helping the stress response at that moment. So, yeah, maybe the sugar might be a little bad for us. Maybe it's really bad for us. But maybe the offsetting relaxation response is really good in the moment. Again, I don't want people doing this all the time thinking it's going to make them feel better. Um, but once in a while, it might not be a bad thing. Something to play with. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Ruff. Kevin Rutherford, this is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, Kim, you know, you and I have always been, uh, you know, we want people to relax about this. You know, and, and I know Steve was. He's good at this. He knows what he's doing. He, and what Steve just did was pay attention to his body because mm -hmm. we talked about bio-individuality. Jeez, I got to get that out. We don't <laughs> know what's perfect to eat all the time. We know that you should be striving to eat nutrient-dense whole food. If you have, you know, really good blood sugar control and good insulin sensitivity, eating things like that once in a while is not going to hurt you. Um, you know, even when you look at the extremes, there are people who, who take 
crazy amounts of drugs and and are still functioning and so our body is really resilient until we just continue to damage it over and over and over which we've done but steve's been good at this he's been doing it a while and i i think he got to that point where this was more of a lifestyle thing his adrenals were shot he got a good night's sleep that started to recover he ate this comfort food which put him into a really good place and and he got a relaxation response and he felt good and that's a good kind of biohack to pay attention to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah it really is and there, it was interesting i was watching a video this morning um and i want to bring some of it to the webinar this this one doctor she's a naturopath and a chiropractor and it was the first time i had heard there's actually a name called to it and, and it hits and you might know this and i have to go look it up um, it hits like the workout world, especially gyms, like, you know, bodybuilders and stuff. And it's a condition called, and when you're too obsessed with things, um, yes. with that, with the eating and, and so forth. And I guess I never really thought it was like a condition, but I could see that. So I, it's so true. The, the balance and find a place that this is not a diet where off again, on again type thing. It's a lifestyle. So you got to give yourself grace at times and, you know, we do the best we can, but there's also life. Uh, I think uh, Vinia Detour's called Life in the Living. You know, you just have to. Yeah. You know, I, I, I am one of the more strict people that I know when it comes to nutrition. I won't stray on the grains, not even a little bit, um, with maybe a small amounts of white rice here and there being the only exception. Um, No wheat ever. I I just don't touch it. Not even a taste. Uh, But I don't obsess over it. There's a clear difference. I've just made the decision that the the effects of doing those things are not worth any benefit I feel like I might get in the moment. That's just me. Now, I will eat ice cream. I I will eat uh, more carbohydrates. I try to make them good, but I I don't obsess over this and I, I don't beat myself up. I, I just, in, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to make it a habit. I'm going to focus on the things I love to eat. You know, yesterday eating, you know, pig ears, food I've never had before, but I promise you I'm going to have it again. They were, <laughs> um, and I was dipping them in honey. Uh, it was a savory dish with a sweet, hot honey. It was just an incredible food experience. I'm not going to obsess over that or, even worry about it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'll go back and do it again. But I've also been working on this long enough that my my metabolism is good, my uh, blood sugar control is good, my immune system's strong, and I feel like I can stray even more. But I'm I'm not going to fall back into those patterns of eating, you know, poor quality food choices, and you know, having the uh, the boys here now, Michael's twins. They've been with us for a couple of days, and he feeds them amazing food. He always has. It's so exciting to know that they've eaten this way from day one. In fact, they've eaten mm-hmm. this way from prior cool. to that because Bridget was eating good you know, while she was pregnant and before that. So, and so was Michael. So they were getting this nutrition before they were even conceived, which is very cool. And, you know, to watch them, I have never seen a 35 year old, um, or not 35 year old, a 35 pound (laughs) human body 
consume so many sweet potatoes in such a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, that's Child, awesome. <laughs> If sweet potato eating contest, I would enter him. He <laughs> does destroy a sweet potato. They are fun to watch. And, you know, they eat a fairly high carbohydrate diet by our standards, but they can. They have that ability. They're, they're really good quality carbohydrates, and they're eating lots of good fats and proteins. And, and, you know, we have to go really low carb because we've done so much damage for decades. Yeah. And that's how we do it. Um, but to watch them be able to eat, oh, and pears. My God, can they destroy some pears? Uh, and <laughs> those are not foods I would recommend for a lot of people. But to watch them eat it is is amazing. And I know that their metabolism can handle it. And it, it's just exciting to know that that they're starting their whole life like this. Um, but, you know, have fun with this. Play around with it. Do some biohacking. Um, find what works for you. And then don't get too crazy. Don't obsess over this yeah. stuff. Yeah, please. Because we know that diet's really, really important. We also know stress is. So what good would it do to stress over your diet? That that would be a really stupid thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh let's go to Isaac in Missouri. Welcome to the program. Isaac, are you with us? Hello? There you go. Okay. Yeah, Claire, Cameron, you hear me? Yep, go ahead. Isaac, I'm not sure if we're losing you or what. I'm going to try to put you back on hold. It's really noisy, and it sounds like you're not hearing us. Let's go to Ohio. Jacob, it's your turn. Hey, Kevin. How are you guys doing today? Hi, doing great. What's on your mind? All righty. I went and I w I've been emailing uh, Kim about this, and she suggested that I call into the show and get your opinion on it. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I'm getting enough water. Like, I'm kind of worried about it because uh, I don't feel like I'm drinking enough. Like, you know, going by that rule of thumb, you know, of how much water you're supposed to drink in a day. Okay. Um, I drink between three and four bottles of water a day the 16.9-ounce uh, bottles, and one or two bottles of tea, and my bulletproof coffee in the morning, and that is pretty much it. I was experimenting with it because I figured out that if I drank more water, I got hungry, even though I was, like, I got hunger cravings. Like, I wasn't hungry, but, you know, I just wanted to eat. <laughs> okay. So I started cutting back the water. And, you know, after, you know, getting myself back in and, you know, cracking down on tracking the macros and everything like that. Uh, so I started cutting back on the water and realized that it made me not, you know, have those hunger cravings. Okay. Um, you know, this can be a little weird. Actually, a lot of times the opposite can happen when we get kind of... Um, weird cravings that we can't seem to satisfy. Sometimes, you know, you get a, cra I get cravings for fat. And if I grab a fat bomb, the craving goes away. Sometimes I get a cravings for, for sweet. And if I eat something a little sweet, like a date or a fig, craving goes away. There are other nights, nothing touches it. 
I try everything. It just won't go away. Many times that's dehydration. And if you just go drink enough, that craving will go away. You're experiencing the opposite, which, which is a little odd, but our bodies do weird things sometimes. Um, here's the problem I have with any of these formulations on hydration. I think they're all worthless. I, I, I said this when I went through the NTP course and they have their numbers. And I can give so many examples of why this number is just worthless. Um, you take somebody very, very active living in the desert southwest. They're going to need a lot more water than somebody who's a couch potato living in the Pacific Northwest. That's just one example. It, we, the foods you eat can, can contain incredible amounts of water or they can consume large amounts of water. So that's going to throw all these formulas way off. So I don't like to use any formula whatsoever for water intake. I just like to use results. If you're thirsty, you are beyond dehydration already. So thirst is a clear signal that you're not even coming close to drinking enough. Um, look at your urine output. If it's dark and has an odor, you're dehydrated. If it's clear and pretty much odor free, you're probably well hydrated. There are some simple tests you can do. Um, hold your hand Hold your right hand down at, at waist level, let it hang there for a while, just let your arm hang. And you can see your, your veins kind of pop out on the back of your hand. Push on them and they're nice and springy. They kind of bounce back when they're hanging down. Then take that same hand and hold it straight out in front of you for a couple seconds and push on your veins. If they're still springy, you're hydrated. If they flatten out and don't bounce back, you're dehydrated. Those are much, much better results than any formula ever will be. We'll, uh, we'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're talking about hydration. Uh, Jacob asked the question, really good topic. Um, Kim, you know, I've got pretty strong opinions on this. The two examples <laughs> there, lifestyle, weather, have a huge impact on it. Mm -hmm. These yeah. have a huge impact on it. Um, another factor I'll throw in, a lot of our people, because of what we talk about, are in and out of ketosis. And this will make your water needs swing all over the board mm -hmm. because as you go into ketosis and you drop all the glycogen, you drop a huge amount of water. If you come out of ketosis and refill those glycogen stores, you need to intake a bunch of water and it makes formulas kind of meaningless for me. The other one I have a problem with is the idea that if I drink 12 ounces of what we call a diuretic, like let's say coffee, that the formula says I now need 
18 ounces of water to offset that. I have a hard time getting my head around that because the coffee was all water. I get it that there's, you know, other compounds in there that act like diuretics on the body and make us excrete water. But I always like to kind of bring things back to common sense. Think about this for a minute. Let's say that I did something really stupid and I decided maybe it's not that stupid. I don't even know why I said that. What if I decided that I wanted to do before we get to that? How many days do they tell us we could survive without water? It's roughly about three, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not much. It's roughly about three days is all you can survive without water. Now, let's think about this for a second. What if I went on a coffee fast? That three days should turn into about a day because according to that formula, not only am I do I need to replace the 12 ounces because I drank coffee, I actually need to replace more water than what I drank in coffee. That would mean if I tried to coffee fast for a day, I'd be completely dehydrated. But yet I, I bet I could coffee fast for a week and never be dehydrated. How would that be possible? Hmm. So you got me going home. But I actually told Jacob, I said, I want you to call this show because this is an area that Kevin and I might differ a little bit on. I like guidelines, some, but it's always asterisk, 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 you know, type deal. Um, right. We deal with a lot of people. And I will say, we got Aaron to cut back on his Mountain Dew because of the. <laughs> well, of the, yeah, uh, there, the whole there's thing. another huge but, problem there. It's not just a diuretic because of the caffeine. It's loaded sugar, with sugar, sugar, sugar that sugar. your body. But, but yeah. let's think about this. If somebody did nothing but drank Mountain Dew for a week, didn't consume anything else, would they actually dehydrate themselves completely? Or would they, could they live? Because if we don't drink any water for three days, we could die. But if somebody drank nothing but Mountain Dew for three days, do you think they would die? No, but this, uh, no, this is one of the reasons I like some type of guideline. And I do kind of like the one they have, and it isn't extreme with the, the dehydration. I mean, the diuretic one um, is that, and I do believe this, that dehydration is one of the top, like we learned in class, one of the top things. You have so many people walking around dehydrated. So maybe, I, yeah. I don't know, maybe they inflate it or something. But hydration, I think, is one of the key things people can do along with the, you know, nutritional stuff we're teaching, but good quality water uh, and keeping yourself hydrated, but yeah, absolutely uh, individual. Like we talked with. Yeah, food. I absolutely agree. Way too many people are dehydrated. Way too many people need to drink a lot. And, you know, I was just talking about the, the boys, the twins, it's all they drink. It is their nice. only liquid beverage. That's it. And that's, that, that's all our human body needs. That's all we drank mm -hmm. for, Ever was water. We did, you know, we didn't drink any other liquid. We drank water, and that—that's all they drank. That's all they want. They crave water, and we should. And I, I'm with you. This is a really important area. I just think, forget all the numbers. Don't stress over formulas. Just look at results. Just drink more water because we're we could all use more. Um, but the formulas can be so misleading that I just think drink more water and check your results. Um, you know, check your hydration and stay very well hydrated. I'd much rather see somebody over hydrated than under. You know, I could relate this to tires. We've been talking about this forever. 
if you're going to err, err on the side of overinflating a tire. We don't see problems with overinflation. We see huge problems with underinflation. We don't really see many problems with overhydration. It's almost unheard of. But we see huge problems with underhydration, like you mentioned. So I, I, you and I are in complete agreement on how important it is. I just don't like the formulas, period. I, I just think they're misleading. On top of it, you gotta, we have to remember the whole electrolyte balance too, especially with people doing keto and that too. And first of all, you can way overhydrate. I mean, that's an extreme case as well. Yeah. Um, but even just as important as the hydration is the electrolyte balance. And that's why we love the light balance so much because when you do do keto, you just do lose so much electrolytes. Um, and people, you know, our drivers out there working so hard, um, you know, they may be hydrating and still feeling yucky and off and a lot of it's the electrolytes then. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good point. And that's why, you know, sometimes I forget about it now because I, it's such a habit for me to do the light balance mm -hmm. that yeah. I completely forget about this. So I'm glad you brought it up and remembered it. That is an important part. You've got to keep that uh, sodium, potassium, uh, magnesium balance. And if you overhydrate, it's easy to wash that out. I don't ever worry about that. I do, you know, two to four capfuls of light balance a day. And I just never have a problem with that. But that's a very good point. And it's why we carry light balance in the store. It, it's it's yeah. just one of those that is just so drop dead easy to use. And it really, really works. Uh, but that's a that's a very good point. Let's go to Minnesota. Dean, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, I gave Jim some uh, test results that I had. It was funny because I did a uh, life insurance policy, so they did a whole bunch of blood tests. Um, they've got glucose at 139, and they've got it rated as high. Is that a issue or? Well, I, the thing I would need to know is that fasting glucose had you not eaten for 12 hours or 10 hours at least uh probably 10 hours yeah 10 12 so this this truly was a fasting blood glucose you had fasted overnight and then taken the the, the blood um without eating or drinking anything yes oh this is a high number then in fact, it's yeah, really elegant in my book. Um, uh, you know, the, the thing about this is, and that's why I want to make really sure that it's fasting, because if it's not, I mean, one tablespoon of honey could shoot your blood sugar up more than this. One food could do it. So, you know, our blood sugar can go up really quick from some foods. But if this is truly a fasting number, this is... This is something you need to pay attention to and start working on. And the first thing I would do is go get yourself a blood glucose meter and start testing your own. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I'm trying to find out where my uh, A1C was. They tested that and it's on here someplace. Uh, um, let me see. If it, was seven, it was 7.3 or 4. That's high. That, that is high. Um, so blood that's sugar is low for me. <laughs> oh yeah. That's we, we want to see you down in the fives. Preferably. Yeah, down I haven't in the been low. in the fives 
you haven't been in the fives for a long time. Usually if I can get down to under seven, I'm doing really good. Yeah, I know the medical community calls six excellent control, but they even, you know, they think that controlling it to six with insulin is a good thing. It's a really bad thing. Uh, We want to see you, you know, mid to low fives with food alone. And it's really possible. I keep saying food alone. I really mean to say um, food and lifestyle because we know how big lifestyle is on this now. But um, I, I would start testing your own. Do you have an iPhone? No, I do not. Okay. I'm we at really... the point I need to change phones, and I'm deciding if I should get the iPhone or stay with where well, I'm at. If you need one more thing to push you over, we're, we've we've partnered with the blood glucose meter, and I've tested uh, lots of them. Um, we re- we chose the Dario, so different from everything else on the market. I love it for a lot of reasons. We will be carrying it in our store here soon, within the next week, I think. Um, and but it, right now, it only works on iPhone. They are wait. They have an Android app. They just need to get FDA approval for it. So it's the government standing in the way again. Um, let me uh, let me get to a break. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Roth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Um, I'll tell you if you're on this uh, recording with us right now, uh, we're down to the final segment, but I have some room. If you want to jump in with a question or two, um, hit one on your phone. Bridget will screen your call and I'll try to squeeze in uh, a question or two. We have some room. So if you jump in right now, we should be able to do that. Um, Kim, you know, a couple things I, I want to talk about while we're screening some of those calls and then we'll get to them. Um, you know, we, we're really, really starting to focus on lifestyle uh, a lot more than we used to. And that is a direct result of our experience in our uh, mentoring programs where we're working. You and I are working directly with people. You're in touch with them a lot. They're reporting food back to us. We're following food journals. We're having them test blood sugar numbers. Um, We're looking at their lifestyle and their stress levels. I'm working on devices that can actually measure stress now and help us reduce it. So we're really making a lot of headway in this area and we're seeing results. Um, So I I just want to encourage people, uh, you know, if we get much busier in there, we're going to have to figure out ways to handle it. So if you want to be part of our uh, mentoring programs, our health programs, I highly encourage you to go take a look at them. Our NutriQ really points out where the problem areas are 
And, you know, I just have to say, Kim, you and I are getting really good at looking at NutriQs and, you know, giving people really clear step-by-step -step plans, and we're seeing amazing results. You know, it, it really is. And that's what, you know, bring up again, like, and I love the way we do this. So we've had 1,200, almost 1,300 people request the NutriQs. And wow. Um, yeah, and you know, we send out the Simpson Burn Graph to show, and it's incredible to see that. They also get recommendations. Um, we, you know, and we have it in email too. You know, here we talk on the show, diet first, because we're not going to, we do not want you to buy supplements if you're not going to um, tackle your diet first and lifestyle now. Um, so they do get a list with the client recommendations of um, based in order, priority, um, based off their, you know, what symptom needs. But we purposely don't carry all those in the store because we found that when we tackle the, the uh, systems on the, you know, starting at the left side of the, gra of the graph going to the right, and that's usually digestion, sugar handling, stuff like that, all that on the right fixes itself. And I think that is one of the biggest things the most, you know, we, we look at that, they take the nature cue again, and people who have taken them can email us back to say, you know, I want to take it again if they've put some things in place. Because we'll do a comparison and see, and it is incredible what tackling diet and digestion and the lifestyle is where we've seen the biggest things happening now is just um, beyond words. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm so excited about a couple things I'm testing right now, and, and, and I don't want to mm -hmm. rush them. Uh, I want to because I'm excited about them, uh, but I want to make sure I'm doing really thorough testing. I learn these things in and out. I want to work with some uh, almost like beta testers early on, some people that have worked hard on their diet. And, you know, we know if we give them something to, to try or test, they're going to stick to it. But I, I, I'm incredibly excited about some of the ways we can measure stress now in the body. Um, it, heart rate variability is is what I'm looking at and and really diving deep into and testing myself. And I am finding so much good information. Um, what affects my heart rate variability negatively and how I feel when it happens, what affects it on the positive side and how much better I feel when it happens. And I'm also testing a device that helps you meditate which I'm finding now is the single biggest way I found to improve my heart rate variability. So, you know, all of a sudden I have the two devices that, that work so well together and it is amazing um, when my heart rate variability is high and I, I've been a week now where I think I've been over 85 the whole week and it, it is great. just incredible what a difference it makes. And, uh, you know, I, I know what kind of things can can trigger it to go down. The interesting thing that I'm learning now is we have these two different nervous systems and the heart rate variability measures the strength of both. And we want them both to be strong, but we also want them to be balanced. And there are times where we might want our parasympathetic nervous system dominant. There are other times where even though we talk about how bad the sympathetic nervous system can be, if both are strong, there are times when we want the sympathetic nervous system to be dominant. 
if we have a lot of physical activity we need to go do, if we have a lot of physical and mental activity, if we're going to be facing a lot of stress, um, having that resilience because our, our sympathetic nervous system is strong and active can actually be a good thing for short periods. Now what I'm learning is when you stay in the opposite, both systems are strong, but your parasympathetic is dominant. The longer you stay in that state, the more resilient you become. You're, you're, when you're staying in the parasympathetic state, you're actually building your sympathetic state to be stronger and handle stress better. And that's a really interesting, I, I've never looked at it that way. And what I'm finding clearly, a daily meditation practice is just keeps pushing me further and further over into that dominant parasympathetic state. And, and that's building the resilience. And I think that's why I'm able to stay in this high HRV, this strong level, even when things aren't going right and I'm stressed out. It's like a muscle. You know, you, you yeah. work out a muscle and the muscle gets stronger and stronger. It's able to lift more weight. We're kind of working out our, our both of our nervous systems by doing this and keeping them both strong, keeping the, the relax, the rest and digest more dominant. It's like building that muscle so our body is able to handle stress so much better. It's really exciting. Really is. And I'm looking forward to, I just, um, I had stopped running in December cause I knew, I knew it just, it was overstressing. I knew it was just messing with my adrenals and, um, so stopped, kind of lost the joy in it, stopped and switched to, um, the weight training, high intensity training and dropped like 18 pounds and hopefully built some muscle there and just started running again, um, last week. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I want to do the heart rate variability to really pay attention to see how that measures this time. Cause I, I do do heart rate training. I'm always high, which is anaerobic, which isn't good. Um, so to see how with the heart rate variability, where that ties into the whole picture as well, along with the meditation, cause I've been doing that daily too. And it's, again, it's a game changer. Yeah, really is. Hey, I'm going to try to get to a call here before we've okay. got to wrap this up. Jeff in Minnesota, it's your turn. Yeah, I uh, got a friend that he's raised his beef cattle and uh, his liver. He, uh, well, I, I'm talking about the liver now. He, he does grass in the summer, then he finishes with corn in the winter. Do you think that's much worse than having a full uh, cow that's fully grass-fed, the liver part, or what do you think? Um, well, let, let's talk about just the beef itself. Um, we want grass-fed, grass-finished, meaning we want them on grass as much as possible. If it's 100% of the time, it doesn't get any better. If they're going to feed, um, you know, additional feed in the winter time, we really wouldn't want it to be corn, but because it, it 30 days on corn and the fatty acid balance starts to get out of whack, 90 days on corn, they might as well have been corn fed their whole life. It, it changes that oh, okay. fast. But okay. if we're going to talk about the liver, that's a little different because the liver is so low fat. There's almost no fat. So if the problem in cattle is that the fatty acid balance, get, balance gets off, the liver is going to be the least affected by that. So take a piece of that liver, even though it's not grass finished, 
eat it with some really good grass-fed butter or ghee, and now we've actually got a pretty healthy piece of meat. You know, it, it, the, the, okay. the, you know, the grain diet doesn't really damage the proteins. It can affect the nutrients a little in that liver, but liver is still such a nutrient-dense food, and it doesn't really have hardly any fat at all, so we're not getting the bad fats. And if we add some good fats, I'd much rather see you eat this liver with some good fats than not eat liver at all. Okay. Well, I think I'll just get my cattle from in the fall before the winter comes. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Well, there, it, there's a really good idea because if you can get this before it's been on that corn for, you know, more than about 30 days, you're still in good shape. 30-day mark, the fatty acid balance is changing. By 90 days on corn, you've lost all the benefits of the grass feeding. Okay, nice to know. How about with chickens then, like in the gizzards and stuff like that? Does that make a difference what the chickens eat? It's same. It, it always makes a difference what an animal eats, but in the organ meats, most organ meats tend to be very low in fat. Um, so we're, we're not getting a lot of the negative effects in, in these. We always want to seek out that better quality, but if it's poor quality, we're better off with the organ meats than with the fatty muscle meats. Thanks for everything. We'll see you next time. Eat real food. Sleep like a baby. Connect like you mean it. Move as though your life depended on it. And remember, a healthy person has hundreds of wishes. An unhealthy person only has one. Stay healthy, my friends. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, thanks. We got uh, everybody's questions in in three hours, so we'll see you here this weekend for the live show.